On November 22nd, 2020, the New York Jets were officially eliminated from the playoffs in a year where they increased the amount of teams that go to the postseason. The, the, the Jets were eliminated in November. And if you're of the camp that the Jets should lose out, go 0-16 on the season, and fully tank for Trevor Lawrence, I'm here to tell you that you should be nervous. Because in back-to-back games, the Jets have not looked like an 0-16 team. Now, they ended up losing both those games, and not all 0-16 teams are, are going to get blown out every single week. But against the Patriots two weeks ago, and against the Chargers yesterday, the, the Jets have looked, dare I say, competent. 0-16 teams don't usually look competent two weeks in a row. And after watching them against the Patriots and against the Chargers, I, I firmly believe that the Jets are going to get a win this season, and I firmly believe the Jaguars are going to need to get one more win for the Jets' plan to be realized in landing the number one pick because if we have two 1-15 teams on the year, at the end of the day, on January 3rd, 2021, the Jets are going to have the number two pick, which is crazy. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe falling into Justin Fields is the right play. But to go 1-15 on the season, we, we want to at least be rewarded with the number one pick. 1-15 fan bases deserve to get the number one pick, and deserve to draft somebody that's deemed a franchise-altering player. No offense to the Miami Dolphins and Jake Long a decade or so ago. But I've never seen a team more in need, more deserving of the number one overall pick in the draft than the Jets right now, regardless of if they win a game or not. And put aside the fact that they've looked competent the last two games, and keep in mind that the biggest compliment that we have been able to give this team all year is, is not that they they ever dominated a game, not yet that they've won a game, but that they looked competent. They lost with some class. Here's a pat on the back for that. The reason that the, the Jets are so deserving, in my opinion, of, of the number one pick is because their offense is built around a 37-year-old running back. A 37-year-old running back is the focal point of the Jets' offense. And I, I think I, I think I actually complimented the Frank Gore signing in the offseason. And I would stand by that because, like, I complimented that signing in the offseason because I thought that Gore was going to be a good veteran presence in the locker room. I thought he was going to be a good mentor for LaMichael Piron. I thought he was going to be a good calming influence for Le'Veon Bell. But never for one second could I have possibly imagined that Frank Gore was going to be the focal point on the Jets' offense. And I think it's great that he's still playing. It's, it's great that he's still effective. Actually, it's nearly amazing that a 37-year-old running back is still somewhat effective. But a focal point? That's... An embarrassment in 2020 when high-powered offenses are pretty much the standard in the NFL. But you have a 37-year-old running back that's the focal point of your offense. And that's an indictment on the head coach. And it's certainly an indictment on the general manager as well. 15 carries and two receptions. That's 17 plays for the 37-year-old Frank Gore. LaMichael P. Ryan had eight rushing attempts. Eight! 
And that that's why this team is so frustrating to watch right now. I, I can handle the losing, but I can't handle ignoring the young players. Win, lose, tie, the, the priority has to be getting the rookies some reps. Eight rushing attempts, and I, I think he had the ball thrown his way one time. And then Denzel Mims had eight targets and three catches. So that means that the targets and carries for Mims and Pirine combined to be the same amount of plays that featured Frank Gore in this offense. Embarrassing. And that that's on Gase, and it's on Dowell Loggins, and there, there is no way that Joe Douglas is happy with that type of offensive distribution. And I think I, think I said it last week that Denzel Mims needs to get at least 10 targets every single game. P. Ryan should be getting 20. I don't care if they if they both suck. I don't care if they fumble or run in the wrong direction. A 37-year-old running back cannot be getting the same offensive reps that your rookie running back and rookie wide receiver are getting combined. I know I talked about this in recent weeks, the idea of, of maybe not outright rooting for the Jets to lose in the game, but knowing that it's better long-term, and when I have the moment to actually just sit there and think about it when watching a game, I acknowledge that I, I kind of do want them to lose. Like, when, when the play is happening, I'm all in rooting for the Jets. But when there's a commercial break, I'm saying, like, what are you doing? We need to lose. The underlying feeling through all of it is that I, I want the young players to do well. I want Mekhi Becton to look good, who I was I was super happy to see back and healthy and playing in this game. And at the start of the game, you get the uh, the blocked punt by Henry Anderson, recovered by Quinn and Williams. I'm pumped up. Who who doesn't get excited over a big special teams play? It's it's momentum shifting. And if you could capitalize on it offensively, even better. Block punt, Jets ball in great field position. I'm excited. I'm pumped up. And then Joe Flacco steps onto the field, and it's just like, yuck. A reminder that I'm not watching the Jets' 23-year-old supposed franchise quarterback. Instead, I'm watching the 35-year-old soon-to-be-retired quarterback run an 0-19. Brutal. Then it's it goes to Frank Gore with the immediate 15-yard run. I mean, great that he got a 15-yard run and a first down, but a 35-year-old quarterback to a 37-year-old running back, again, fuck. <laughs> then it, it's still no P run. Instead, it, it's again Frank Gore with another first down. Yuck. But then it's P run with the run and Makai Becton with the big block opening up the left side of the field. Rookie left tackle opening up the left side of the field for the rookie running back who scores the touchdown, gives the Jets a 6-0 lead. Boom, baby, we're rolling. The offense then goes stagnant. The defense crumbles after the first few drives to fall behind 24-6. to And proved to have zero answers for a rookie quarterback. Justin Herbert sliced the Jets, completing 18 of his first 20 passes, two touchdowns, and almost 300 yards in the first half. And when Joe Flacco's high-powered offense came roaring back in the second half, and again, I'll, I'll reiterate, I, I hate watching the Flacco to Brashad Perriman combination go to work because the worse that Perriman plays, the more that I get frustrated the Jets signed him and let Robbie Anderson walk. The better that Perriman plays, the more I realize he's going to have a better offer from a better team in the offseason, and he's gone anyway. So just throw the ball to Mims. And Mims had over 70 yards in this game. He, he was really, really effective when he got the ball, just... 
just keep sending it his way. As close as this game was, I, I never thought that the Jets had a chance of winning. Or like, th- they had a chance, obviously, but I-, I never thought they were going to win. And that's with the Los Angeles Chargers being notorious for losing bad games. Blowing games. But the Jets, they they kept it close enough to keep me engaged. At, at 34-26, I was engaged. I, I didn't think they were going to win, but I certainly couldn't look away from the TV. At 34-26 with Denzel Mims running deep down the right side and Flacco putting the ball kind of close to where it needed to be, I wanted that touchdown. At that point, the first draft pick didn't matter to me. Trevor Lawrence didn't matter to me. I wanted Mims to somehow make a miraculous catch Pull the game within two points and see what happens from there. I want to see the young players do well. That's priority number one. Mims, Pirine, Becton, Ashton Davis, who, who came into the season with a ton of hype, and he's recently started on this, this upward climb, like looking like that hype might be realized, getting a dozen tackles on Sunday. Davis and Becton might be the two best things going for the Jets right now. So, like, I I understand the importance of the loss. I'm rooting for the Jets to get the number one overall pick. I know deep down it's most important to get the number one overall pick. But when there are those opportunities to make a big play, and it involves a young player, I'm all in on rooting for it. Take a quick break on the Brandon Cottage Jets podcast. We're back after this. I feel kind of bad for Sergio Castillo. He was one of the few players that was playing pretty well the last couple of weeks, and then he gets... Bumped for Sam Ficken, who returned from the groin injury. And then Ficken misses two extra points. So Castillo was a cool story also. Getting his first chance in the NFL at the age of 30 with the Jets. He kicked well. Hopefully he gets another shot, being that Ficken didn't uh, didn't look great against the, the Chargers. I'll, I'll say this about the Jets. For the most part, watching the Jets is becoming a chore. Or, or at least, like, preparing to watch the Jets is becoming a chore. Like, I, I was excited to do this podcast heading into week one of the season because I assumed Sam Darnold was going to progress. I assumed Joe Douglas did something to build a competent offensive line. I assumed Adam Gase would be better in year two. And I assumed the Jets were going to build off of finishing last season 6-2. and two. But it's been a, a downward spiral for 10 straight weeks. Or 11 weeks, 10 games, and at 0-10, with very little to get hyped up about, and knowing how important it is for the Jets to just lose out, when 4 o'clock rolls around, the Jets have a 4 o'clock game, and it's really tough. It's a it's a tough sell to change the channel to focus on, on just the Jets game. I watched the Red Zone for three hours. We have a, a playoff rematch, Ravens and Titans in overtime. From the 1 o'clock set. Committing to the Jets game at that point is a tough sell. If it's a 1 o'clock game, like I'd, I'd rather rake a few more bags of leaves than make sure I'm back inside for the start of the Jets' 1 o'clock games. I kind of liked Sundays a, a little bit better last two weeks when the Jets weren't playing. They had the, the Monday night football game against the Patriots, and then they were off the next week. They had their bye week. So that was two straight Sundays of, of just enjoying good football. Enjoying the Red Zone channel. And and there is still, certainly when you're watching those games, like you still get some stress and emotional investments depending on what other investments you might have in some of those games. 
but the the frustration and the the woe is me feeling of being a Jets fan, they weren't there. And it, it was refreshing and fun and even a little bit exciting. Like I was eager for a day of football. And it sucks that the team that I root for, the team I love and I, the team that I've invested decades of my life into following, that when that team is playing, it makes my day worse. That's a bad spot to be in as a fan. It's also a bad spot to be in as the owner of a team. The owner of a team that is turning fans off. Nobody wants to be a turnoff in any facet of life. You especially, you don't want to be a, a turnoff to a person that you love. And it like it takes being a really, really, really bad turnoff to have the person that loves you Admit to you that you are a turnoff. I've, like, odds are you probably haven't told your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your spouse, significant other, that, that the, somebody that you loved. You know what? You're a bit of a turnoff. A and that's kind of what I'm doing right now. The Jets aren't just bad. They aren't just frustrating. They are a turnoff. When I get out of bed on Sunday, like, if the Jets are playing, I'm annoyed that I have to watch them a little bit. They de they detract from my football Sunday. They take away from it. Not not only am I turned off by the Jets, but they make me turned off to football. I'd rather explore other interests. Like, in terms of sports, I'm stoked about the NBA starting next month. I'm pumped up to watch what is likely to be a, a similarly ugly team in the New York Knicks. So the, the Jets are such a turnoff that I want to skip football and go right to basketball. And I guess that's that's kind of like a, a turnoff being so severe that it forces you to to want to bat for the other team. Maybe I don't know. I'm I'm kind of confused right now with this. But this is the situation that Woody Johnson is walking back into sometime in the next few months, and that is a that's a bad situation to be in. He's coming back to a historically bad football team, and I think we need to find out when. Exactly, is he going to be coming back to that historically bad football team? It's going to be sometime between now and January 20th. Woody Johnson's run as the ambassador to the UK is going to be up. Likely ending the 73-year-old's brief political career. But we still don't know when exactly he's going to be taking over the Jets. But I, I can guarantee you, that when he left the Jets in the hands of his brother Christopher Johnson four years ago, he did not anticipate, whenever it was going to happen, he did not anticipate coming back to an 0-16 or a 1-15 team. I can guarantee you that. So Woody might need a, a month or two to kind of like gain his composure. Maybe he takes a full year off. Maybe he comes back right away because he's angry after seeing the team further entrench itself as being such a league embarrassment. And look, we can find some bright spots. I mentioned a couple of them early on. I wouldn't ignore that. We can acknowledge that there are some rookies who look good from Joe Douglas's first draft as general manager of the Jets. We can absolutely put some blame on Mike McCagnan for why this team is so bad. We could put plenty of blame on Adam Gase. The bottom line is, at 0-10 right now, looking at 0-16, 10-1, 10-2, 10-3, 10-4, 10-5, 10-6, 10-7, 10-8, 10-9, 10-10, 10-11, 10-12, 10-13, 10-14, 10-15, 10-16, 10-
10 straight seasons without the playoffs. The Jets are literally a historically bad team right now. And what, what, what do we always say about bad teams, bad organizations, bad franchises, teams that miss the playoffs for an entire decade, teams that lose a historic amount of games, teams that look dysfunctional, teams that where good players don't want to sign with them, teams where young players can't develop. We always say that it starts at the top. And if it starts at the top, then who the owner is is going to matter. The team is is at a, a crossroads right now if we look at this organization. It's in need of a quarterback, in need of a head coach, in need of life. And who is making those decisions is going to matter. The, the, the fact that on top of needing a new coach, a new quarterback, and having a general manager who built potentially an 0-16 team, the fact that on top of that, the ownership, the person at the top of the organization is a bit of a question mark is a very bad thing. And the other bad question mark right now is Sam Darnold. The 23-year-old, supposed to be franchise quarterback, who, who the Jets are going to have to attempt to trade while they're figuring out the owner situation and looking for a head coach, but, but he also hasn't thrown a touchdown since September. Three touchdown passes, six games started on the year, Sunday is going to be November 29th. And we're at that point where we're talking about easing Sam Darnold into a throwing program right now as he tries to recover from a shoulder injury. And I'm not even sure if the Jets want him to play at this point. I don't know what's better for them. Because maybe the best thing for the Jets, as unwatchable as, as this would be, but tactically the best thing for the Jets might be to just stick with Joe Flacco for the rest of the year. It might be if if Darnold, just, just have Sam Darnold sit out until week 17 because if you get him to play one good game, get him to play well against the Patriots the last game of the year, like 300 yards, three touchdowns, maybe that's going to boost his trade stock. I don't think that a bad game in week 17 would lower his stock. I think a bad six games could lower his stock, but I think one really good game, one great game, one single great game could improve his stock. One bad game against the Patriots at that point, you just kind of chalk up to rust. But if he plays the rest of the year and has six bad games at that point, your your trade stock in him, your leverage is, is pretty much irrelevant. It, it's pretty much just a race. And I'm sure we're going to talk about this a lot more before it actually happens. I, I know the Steelers have been mentioned as a possibility of, of Darnold replacing Roethlisberger. Returning to California and going to the 49ers has been mentioned. But the more that I think about it, Indianapolis seems like the best fit. And the Colts, who look to be headed to the playoffs, they beat the Packers on Sunday. Phillip Rivers looks old, but he looks capable. And for the most part, I think if I'm the Colts and I'm Frank Reich, I want Rivers to stick around for one more year to mentor Darnold. And then you flip the switch in 2022. Reich is a true quarterback whisperer. Like Adam Gase sold himself as an offensive guru. Frank Reich actually is one. You look at what Carson Wentz has done with the Eagles without Reich. Look at what he did in the one year that he had Andrew Luck as his quarterback. He had the Colts in contention last year for a while with Jacoby Brissett. Back in the playoffs now this year with Rivers. He would be perfect to try to resurrect Sam Darnold. Who again, I'll remind everybody, is just 23 years old. 
And the fact that the Jets very well could have likely, they, they traded four draft picks to the Colts to get Sam Darnold, only to possibly trade him to Indianapolis after three years. And watching him develop there would be so serendipitous in a Jets way. But it would all be forgiven if they do land Trevor Lawrence and Trevor Lawrence becomes the franchise quarterback, a legitimate franchise quarterback, then at that point, whatever happens with Sam Darnold doesn't matter. Just find that guy and however we get there, it, it's, it won't matter anymore. Once we get there, we'll ignore the past. I promise. Everybody have a, a nice, a healthy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the football, the food, the family. Hopefully you do it safely. Thanks for listening to the Brandon Connors Jets podcast. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And as always, be good.